Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Presented by Kaleida Health. Hour number two on a Tuesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And going to talk a little Dolphins now with our good friend, senior NFL writer from Outkick.com, one Armando Salguero, who joins us on the show. Armando, how you doing? You're making the trip this week, huh? I am making the trip. It's a big game, so why not? All right, well, where's? Well, how come you don't have snow in your background this week then? Come on, you got to get ready. Well, you guys showed me the uh, the stadium as it looks now, so I'm just, you know, doing what I do. I, I'm staying warm and toasty. Armando, <laughs> let me just say this. I would wager you don't have enough clothes in your closet to watch this game outside here in Buffalo. That is a losing bet by you. You got because... you have cold weather gear? Oh, my God, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, look. I'm. Oh, he froze. Is he oh my God, he's so cold. He froze. He's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we lost Armando right as he was going to pontificate about his cold weather gear. Well, here's oh, the thing. Oh, that's a tough break. Here, here's the thing: people, people from warmer cities, tend to overcompensate when they know they're traveling to northern locales where well, there's cold weather. So they will bring. Let me just. More than they need very often. Here's my problem. because we, you know, back when I played and even now, and even with the snowstorm we had a couple of weeks ago, you have people come. We always had people coming in for the game. Yeah. And so I always had spare wardrobe for everybody. Oh, like okay. I had ski pants. I had parkas, hats, gloves. We had all that extra stuff that we would let people use. So let Armando. You're, so you have a lot of cold weather gear going. We just missed that. Yeah, see, so, like, I was covering the NFL when the Bills were going to back-to-back-to-back-to-back Super Bowls. And typically what would happen is they would have to play uh, in Buffalo, and they did play in Buffalo. I remember one, and the Dolphins played a lot in Buffalo, by the way, Yeah. in December. And so I was there for the Lewis Oliver getting destroyed by – uh, by Andre Reed. I was there for the Kansas City Chiefs and the Bills uh, AFC Championship game. I know what it's what it means to be cold in Buffalo, <laughs> and uh, I learned a lesson 30 years ago, and it's not a lesson that I've forgotten. And so, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I have all of my gear ready and at my disposal if I if I need to have it. All right. 
All Good right, for well, you, then. This time around, Armando, uh, it's, it's some int- there are some interesting storylines. Uh, the Bills are significantly healthier on defense than they were back in week three when they were missing five starters, and then they started dropping like flies in the 120-degree heat on the Bills' sideline. Um, and the Dolphins' offense had yet to really kick into gear back then. It, it obviously has since, but then the last two weeks – one against the best defense in the league in San Francisco, the other against a not-so-great defense in the L.A. Chargers. And people are wondering, has the blueprint been unveiled as to how to slow down this Dolphins attack, and has Tua turned into a pumpkin? (laughs) Wow. Uh, We're going all Cinderella here. So – as far as the blueprint is concerned, it depends on which blueprint the Bills want to pick because the San Francisco 49ers basically befuddled and beriddled the Dolphins' offense, playing mostly zone against the Dolphins' offense. And it worked. And then the Chargers came back and played mostly press man against the Dolphins offense. Right. And that worked. And so it's up to the Bills to decide which way they want to go because in the last two weeks, Tua Tungavailoa has been under 50% completion percentage combined against the Chargers and the 49ers when he's seeing two different approaches to, to stopping their passing game, which is, by the way, the bulk of their attack because their running game has been uh, kind of a disappointment this year. Well, why do you think what all of a sudden then if, if everything seemed to be working against the Dolphins offense, why wasn't it working during that stretch when they were take, you know, they were beating everybody going away. I mean, what happened uh, to their ability to overcome that stuff? Well, I think uh, in part, you guys just mentioned it before the first time that they played the bills, I think the Bills' entire secondary was out. <laughs> and so that's problematic and good for the Dolphins. They played the Baltimore Ravens. They got behind by like 28 points, and they started throwing the ball down the field. And the Ravens came away with like four uh, busts in the deep secondary, gave up the lead, and the Ravens went on to do that two or three more times during the year. So it wasn't so much that the Dolphins were doing something amazing. It was that the Ravens were being the Ravens in the secondary and just blowing coverages, which they've done a lot this season and blowing four leads late in the fourth quarter. So you get that kind of thing. Detroit, by the way, the Dolphins lit up the Detroit Lions in the secondary The next day, the secondary coach got fired because apparently the game plan was one thing and they played a different thing in the game, which is stunning to me because you prepare all week to do the one thing and then come game day on Sunday, you're not doing that one thing that you prepared all week to do. So, yeah, that's why the secondary coach got fired the next day. Give us an idea, if you could, Armando, as to the the interpretation of these last two games by Dolphins fans. Are they in panic mode now that they've lost two straight and the offense has not looked like what it did the previous six weeks? 
Um, what's the general consensus down there of the offense after these past two performances? Well, uh, you, you have to understand the the context of it all is that the Dolphin fans are really behind Tua for the most part. And so the narrative is in the fan base, good players have bad, bad games. And he's happened to string two of them together back to back. Uh, so that's that narrative. As far as the greater narrative is they're still in the playoff race. They're still in the playoff hunt. Uh, if the season ended today, I'll hate that phrase. Uh, but if the season ended today, they would be in the playoffs as a wild card. The thing that just blows my mind is that the last two weeks, it's kind of knocked the Dolphins from let's go to Buffalo and compete for a division title to let's go to Buffalo. And even if the worst happens, we're still in the playoffs. Those are two very different things in my book. And I would say to you, if any of that thinking is shared within the locker room, they've got problems on Saturday night. How good do you, how good were they? We were up here and of course we're, we're neck deep in Buffalo bill stuff up here. So you hear kind of the, the superficial coverage of the dolphins. And of course, during that stretch, when you know they're winning five games in a row, they were crushing it offensively, and it looked like they had turned the corner and found everything they'd ever you know all their hopes and dreams were going to come true this year. Um, what was going right for them? Well, they have arguably the most dynamic wide receiver in the NFL, and I'm not saying that he's the best wide receiver, but Tyree Kill. Can, you can stop him for, you know, 57 plays and he'll have three plays in the game that are lightning bolts. In fact, last week in a loss, he recovers a fumble, recovers a fumble, and he goes 57 yards for a touchdown, which, you know, humans don't do. Uh, he, he just does things that are dangerous. So that was happening. Jalen Waddle was benefiting from, from the fact that defenses are afraid of Tyreek Hill. And the running game was good enough. And the offensive line was healthier. It's less healthy now. Teron Armstead, who is their left tackle, is kind of dragging. He's got a foot injury. He's got other issues that aren't really out there. Uh, Waddle has not been at the forefront as a number one receiver when Tyreek has been shut down and the fact is the defenses have decided okay we're going to challenge Tyreek instead of being afraid of Tyreek we're going to roll coverages to Tyreek we're going to you know we're going to man press like the Chargers did it's a different it's a different approach and it has obviously gotten different results Let's flip it around, Armando, because lost in the defeat at the hands of the Chargers with, you know, the Dolphins offense being kept under wraps was the fact that Justin Herbert threw for 367 yards. Um, this is a defense that was, you know, just a year ago armed with a pair of 
top-shelf cornerbacks. Byron Jones has not been part of the equation almost the entire season. It doesn't sound like he's coming back anytime soon, and I understand that's a story in and of itself. But this is a defense now, Armando, that's 23rd against the pass. Um, they add Bradley Chubb. No offense to Bradley Chubb, but, I mean, he just looks like another guy out there. Jalen Phillips has been more impressive than Bradley Chubb the last few weeks, and they paid that guy $125 million sight unseen in a uniform. Help me out with this defense. What's going on? Yeah, the Bradley Chubb uh, situation has been up to now a disappointment because they brought him in to be the closer and the guy that uh, when you're protecting a lead late in the game, he knows that you have to pass and it's going to be bad for you. Sound familiar? Um, so he hasn't really done that, to be honest with you. The last couple of games, there's been no opportunity to close because they've been trailing. So that's problematic for Bradley Chubb. Uh, the rest of the defense, look, Byron Jones has been out all year. Um, I know for a fact that when he was playing the last couple of years, the Bills decided he was the guy that they were going to pick on. So, because they didn't want any part of Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard is still playing, and everybody else in that secondary playing cornerback or nickel is kind of a guy. And as far as last year, last year, we got to remember they started out something like oh and seven or one and seven, right? One and seven, and then they rallied late in the season to win like six games in a row. And what people forget is that during the one and seven, they were playing good quarterbacks, and during the six win winning streak, they were playing horrible quarterbacks. Wonder if that made any impact on the results of the game. Uh, yeah, it did. It absolutely did. When you're playing, you know, uh, third stringers and, and because the, the starter is hurt, when you're playing Joe Flacco, who doesn't want to really get hit late in the season, that kind of thing is what the Dolphins faced late last season that made the, the, the look of the defense seem way better than it probably was. And you get, let's talk a little bit about their secondary. They were, you know, the Bills, uh, the first meeting, really didn't get a chance to take advantage of it, except early in the game when the Bills were fresh. I mean, their first drive of the game, they went right down the field, scored a touchdown, went for it on a fourth and goal from the two and threw it in uh, to Devin Singletary. How has this secondary evolved. I mean, I see, I see Fedulum is taking some snaps at safety. I see him in there once in a while. Uh, I, I noticed that the other day. Um, yeah, Eric Rowe got hurt. Ig, Igbenogany uh, seems to be kind of buried back there. Is he, is he taking reps? Give us a, an idea no. about their corners. Yeah, so their corners are not Byron Jones. And, and Nick Needham is out who was their, their uh, slot corner. And so what you're getting is backup guys. And the Bills have been in the same situation this year, as you guys know. They, they've played backup corners a lot. The, the, the difference this game is now the Bills are coming to this game with a healthy secondary, 
with a blueprint for stopping Tua if they want to choose those blueprints. And the Dolphins, on the other hand, are coming to this game kind of reeling because, yes, Justin Herbert lit them up. And, yes, Brock Purdy, who was Mr. Irrelevant, having been the last draft pick uh, selected in the last draft, he didn't light them up, but he didn't show any fear, and he attacked them. And he threw two touchdown passes against them. And, you know, they got gobbled up. So the Dolphins are kind of like trying to hold serve because they've been on the retreat the last couple of weeks. Um, You know, I would say to you that Josh Allen should have a great game on Sunday. Let's see if he does. Um, Excuse me, on Saturday night. Okay. And then... I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I don't think Miami has had to experience poor weather yet. Um, there's a pretty good chance that there will be one to three inches of snow on the ground that fall during the game. Uh, what weather challenges, if any, have the Dolphins experienced this season? Right. Yeah, it's rained a couple of times. <laughs> uh, and that's been about it. Uh They are not or have not historically been a great end of season, bad outdoor weather team, with the exception maybe being in 2016 when they went up to Buffalo and beat the Bills and, you know, went on to the playoffs. Uh, But going back to Don Shula, they are a team that has struggled late in the season. And I really have never understood it because, you know, these guys, the Miami Dolphins play in Miami, but their roster is not all Miamians. These guys come from, you know, all, all parts and, and all weights unknown. Right. I mean, they, they, they come from up North. They've seen snow. They've played in it. They're not unfamiliar with it. And yet I don't, I get the the heat uh, advantage that they have early because they practice in the heat. But the answer to uh, cold weather is put on clothes. And so (laughs) what's the problem? (laughs) I don't get that. Uh, The one thing I would say is Tua Tungavailoa he, you know, he had a terrible game up there a couple of years ago um, because the balls were going all over the place and it was just a disaster. His arm strength is not, in my opinion, built for Buffalo, not built for the Meadowlands in December and January. That's where I think it matters. Yeah, I would agree with that. And this, this game being in December – in Buffalo, I, it's it's going to be a, a weather game. You're going to have to overcome some stuff. And, I, and I'll say this, Armando, yeah, I get it. When you come up and all you got to do is put clothes on for the answer to cold weather, the problem is this. It's hard to run, jump, and turn, and twist, and carry the ball when you got layers on. And it feels funky for a lot of guys to handle the ball with sleeves between your arm and the ball. Um and I, I've long advocated for a, a technology to come out. You know, they got these the gloves 
that are tacking. Guys can carry the ball with one hand like a loaf of bread nowadays, and nobody licks twice about it because the gloves are so sticky, the ball doesn't come out. They don't make they don't have that for the arms and the sleeves and the and the chest when you hold the ball up here tight. It's really slippery. That bothers mentally a lot of guys, particularly the ball handlers who catch the ball a certain way with their arms and their body. If they do that, it's a real problem. And I think that really gets into the mind of some of these guys. Fair. Um, Tyreek Hill played in Kansas City yeah. for six years, right? Uh, not, not, not a wonderful place in January. It's cold in Kansas <laughs> a, City, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, I, look, I, I totally get it, Steve. And, and I totally understand that it's bad. It's also a bad look. If any of the Miami Dolphins say what you just said, yeah, yeah, because, <laughs> right, because people like me will destroy them. I get and that, it, and that's why we have Armando on the show. That's right. Uh, you go ahead and destroy him. Yeah, Armando. Go ahead. That's uh, great. Listen, Armando, thanks very much. Safe travels up here uh, on Thursday. We look forward to seeing you at the game, and thanks as always for the time. It's always my pleasure, guys. All right. Armando Salguero, senior NFL writer for Outkick.com, talking Dolphins with us. And I think the other thing that we didn't really discuss with him, Steve, is the psyche of this football team. Because outside of the three games that they lost early in the year, which, by the way, happened when Tua was in concussion protocol, it was easy for them to explain that away. Ah! We didn't have our starting quarterback, you know. We, sure. Uh, how do you expect us to win games, you know, against these kinds of teams and blah, blah, blah. The, they had an easy out mentally, I think, right. to kind of explain those losses away. I don't know that you have that now because you have Tua, who's been the best quarterback in the league from a passer rating standpoint, from a QBR standpoint, from a completion percentage standpoint. He's been lights out for like six, seven weeks, and he's rocketed oh. to the top of the league in quarterback rating. And now – you play the number one defense in San Francisco on the road. You lose. Okay. You played the best defense in football. Yeah, it didn't go our way today. That's fine. But then the next week, you come out against, at best, Steve, a middle-of-the-road defense, lower third defense. <laughs> at best. Riddled with right. injuries. No J.C. Jackson. No Joey Bosa. No Sebastian Joseph Day. No Derwin James. They're missing five starters on defense, and you can't do anything. You're three of 17 passing at halftime. Don't tell me doubt has not crept into that locker room. And I'll say this, and we're showing the highlights now. Um, and you've, you've mentioned it, Brownie, a bunch. What the, the thing that you noticed about the Charger defense is that they kept the wide receivers – to the outside, outside the numbers. They had inside leverage on all of their route combinations. Every play. And almost. what that means is the receivers have to cross your face. They have to go through a guy to get open. And what that does is scares a quarterback off the throw. To a, it, they're covered, basically. Because if you want to run inside, you're going to run towards the defender, which is the last place you want to go as a receiver, right? So, uh, so then, typically, and this is what the Dolphins did too, they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get these guys down the sidelines. If they're having inside leverage, we're going to send our guys down outside the numbers and lo- go out, throw it outside the numbers down the field. 
And so they did that, and they they hit a couple, but here's the thing. Like the Tyreek Hill pass, when they got, their feet got tangled up, he was open anyway. But Tua hit him, the defender falls down because he, he clips his foot on Tyreek Hill's ankle, and he goes down, Tyreek's by himself, and he walks into the end zone. That was a, a typical play. The problem is this, and we showed it on the we're – all, we're all sitting here in Buffalo. We watch Josh throw those balls. Josh puts it out there, and, man, that thing sings when it gets out of his hand. It sizzles out of his hand. Tua lets it go, and that thing goes way up high in the air. Oh, it looks like a lollipop. It is, it is up in the air for a long time, and it doesn't, it doesn't have – it just – because of that, it doesn't have the velocity. And there's just so much ground covered by the receiver, the defensive players, the safeties who are breaking on the ball – because the ball's in the air, that split second longer, things change a lot more when it gets comes down. Um, and, and it's, it's harder, harder to, to maintain hit. separation it's, as a receiver. It's, and it's hard to anticipate how open your guy's going to be with that extra half second of air time the ball has to take. In, in essence, it's like what Armando said, and we've been – Bill's fans crush too all the time for this anyway. His arm is not Josh Allen's arm. It's no. not just it's not Justin Herbert's arm. It's not Joe Burrow's arm. It's not Matt Stafford's arm. Not Mahomes' arm. I mean, you can go down. Not Trevor Lawrence's arm. I mean, it's you're talking like Matt Ryan arm. Yeah. You know. I mean, Philip Rivers arm. Yeah. <clears throat> you're, you're Peyton Manning arm. At the end of it all, yeah. I, it's just it's that different. that is a limiting factor in what it throws the quarterback can execute and right now you're right brownie defenses these last couple of defenses we've seen top defense one top defense and the other one a middle of the road defense are executing a game plan to force Tua to make throws that are hard for him yeah throw it outside the numbers beat us that way that same do? thing they do with Lamar Jackson yep because he's not as accurate numbers. outside he's got the arm strength to get right. it out there he Lamar does it. but he doesn't have the accuracy and that's that's a that's a that's a wider margin of error for the quarterback than having a, less of an arm. Yeah. So Lamar's got less of a margin of error than Tua does because he can sling it. He can get it out there. Um, but th I think that's where we're sitting with Tua. And then you come in and you add cold and snow to the mix. you got a native Hawaiian playing. Here. And a guy whose name is Tonga Vailoa. <laughs> You've got a Polynesian name. Uh, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, but that's the last couple of weeks. That has been the thing that's jumped out about their losses. Break time for us here. When we return, the Bills Legend of the Year will be joining us. You might know him if you've been watching Bills football long enough. His name is Butch Roll. It's coming your way next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 